What's happening, boys and girls? Welcome to Breakfast with City Fellow, available on Voices Radio on the first Thursday of every month between 9 and 11 a.m., where I will not only be playing some absolute bangers, no mash, but to wake you up from your morning slumber, but I will also be talking with various guests about how they have decided to spend their time trodden through this ironic journey that we call life. So let me start by introducing myself. Of course, I am the one, the only, Sadiq Bello. Well, 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 actually, that's that's a bit of a lie. Um, if you look back through the history of the African diaspora up until now, I'm sure there has been many Sadiq Bellows before me and probably many to come after me. But I would like to think that none of them quite did it the way that I intend to live it. So in a nutshell, I am a DJ and music producer born in Victoria Island, Lagos, Nigeria, but raised predominantly in West London. Starting out as a house DJ, I later expanded into open format, blending a myriad of genres and learning how to scratch and use effects. This would later help me develop my own style. But for now, as I have said, tune in as I wake you up from your morning slumber and get you out of bed and prepared for another beautiful day ahead. Now, for those of you who are listening or streaming back from Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other medium, then feel free to like, subscribe and follow me for more info at Sadiq Bello. That's at S-A-D-I-Q-B-3-L-L-O. The three is there just because I want it to be a bit quirky. Once again, that's S-A-D-I-Q-B-3-L-L-O. Okay, so let's get into it. Hi boys and girls, my name is Sadiq Bello. For those of you, this is your first time tuning in. Welcome to Everyday People. The show did used to be called Breakfast with Sadiq Bello, but I decided to change it because I just wanted to be quirky like that. Um, I'm here with my second guest. Her name is Daphne. Daphne, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, hello. Um, my name is Daphne Hilly-Davis. I'm an actress, French and British, and I currently live in London. Wicked. All right. Well, couldn't ask for a better introduction. <laughs> <laughs> so the amount of self-tapes you have to do. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. All right. Now, um, I have a lot of questions in my mind that I'd like to ask you. But the first thing that I want to get down to is who is Daphne? So like now when you just introduced yourself, you mentioned that you were from, uh, did you say France? Yes. Yeah, That's you're true. from France and you moved to London. So before we talk about, your, well, how long have you been in London now? Oh, um, it's been a little over two years, I believe. So March 2021. Okay, right. So that was close to three years. Just after lockdown, kind of. Well, 
funny thing is, it was still lockdown actually. Oh, okay. I forgot about that part when I moved. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Right. So before we get down into your life in London, I want to get down, get into your life in France. Right. So mm-hmm. you mentioned that you were uh, an actress, but before we get into that. How was growing up for you? Could you explain um, in a nutshell what, well, not in a nutshell, in, in as much detail as you can, um, what who Daphne is like? Who like who do your family know you as? It's a it's quite an interesting question because I guess it's something that we all try to figure out um, as we go along, right? Mm. And growing up, I moved a lot. So a lot of people in London think, oh yeah, from France, and that's pretty much it. Um, but I was born in the south of France, so in Toulouse, mm. and then we moved a little bit outside of Toulouse. So it was in the countryside, and that enabled me to really connect with, you know, your your child self. I felt like it's it, I was quite. Um, I'm quite grateful about the fact that I was able to play around, you know, make... <laughs> we attempted to make a plane uh, when we were younger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had all sorts of crazy ideas because I lived in the same um, neighborhood as my best friend. So our houses were adjacent okay. and I have a bigger brother, an older brother. So he's one and a half years older than me. So we're quite close in age. Yeah. And my best friend at the time, so when I was in primary school, her big sister was my brother's age and we were the same age. So right. we were always a little gang and we'd always do some crazy things. We lived by a forest uh, amongst fields. There was, you know, one primary school, no secondary school, nothing. It was a tiny little village, but it oh, felt wow. very safe. Yeah. Um, meaning that I could experience a lot of different things and grow up sort of in a safe environment yeah um, did everyone did everyone sort of know each other in that sense then yeah pretty much um but we only lived there for two years okay so i've got quite fond memories of no i'm lying a little bit longer than that what (laughs) (laughs) anyway not mm, less than five years definitely because we moved (laughs) when i was six but you know it's around that age that you start making good memories yeah yeah your brains kind of start connecting i moved around a lot long when i was um young as well to be honest so i find oh really yeah 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 i did a lot of moving i feel like from the ages of i mean i have no memory of like being one but like from the ages of one till seven i moved i'm pretty sure we moved to like three or four different houses or locations which made it easier for me to actually be able to communicate or speak with people um but you were saying so you said that uh so i'm assuming it was like quite a tight-knit community everyone knew each other um and uh you were there for less than five years but do you have memory of where you were before that at all or was that i'm trying to yeah so before that we went to lose i mean it, it's a pretty um average big town in france i guess yeah it, it's it, it was quite fun, but, you know, it was no, um, what's it called, kindergarten? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the American term. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, you nursery. <laughs> yeah, nursery. It confuses yeah. me. Um, yeah, I was in Toulouse at that point. I don't have, I, ha- I have quite a few memories there. So, um, mm. fun fact, when my first year of nursery, 
Um, so the nursery was next to a big, um, what's it called, factory. Okay. And the factory exploded. And what? It was, yeah, it was a big event in Toulouse because it was one week after 9-11. And, Jesus. And it killed and injured quite a few people. And I, that was my first memory actually of so it was child that's mad yeah my first memory i don't it, i don't remember it extremely clearly but i remember it in flashes yeah, so i wasn't there like chaos or not like chaos but do you is or like a sense of i don't know people being scared of like do you do you have that somewhere deep down in like yeah very much so up? so we were i was in nursery and then they put us all in the in the hallway and they told us to put um, some tissues above our, like on our on our noses and mouths. Yeah. And luckily, the the staff was trained in case of something happening, and the school yeah. was built accordingly. So luckily, we were not injured or anything. Yeah, yeah. And then, no, they, sorry, be- sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, carry on. My mistake. Yeah. No, so good. Um, and yeah, and because they knew that my brother and I were related, they placed my brother, they sat my brother next to me. And I remember very clearly where he was sat. And he turned around, looked at me. Obviously, everybody was crying. We were all, <laughs> you know, under five years old. And he turned to me, he took my hand, he looked me straight in the eyes and he said, stop crying. There's no reason for it. And we both stopped crying and just <laughs> sat there. <He's> like, <laughs> I mean, it's, pretty, <laughs> it's very dramatic, but like, it doesn't make sense. Because yeah. no one knew what was happening. Um, yeah. My mom was extremely lucky at the time to be in the supermarket. So it, it was on her day off. Yeah. And I'm saying she was lucky to be there because when we went back to the fair, so when she felt the ground like, lift. Right. Yeah. And then she took the car, went straight to the nursery, picked us up. We went back to the flat and all the windows and even the computer screen had exploded. My God, I can yeah. honestly say I could not have expected that answer for um, yeah. of like what growing up was. I think you might, you might be the only person that I've ever come across that has told, well, so far that would, um, that has told me like you know a story like that like they experienced something like that as like um as a child or, or like their earliest memory um yeah that's my very first memory do you think coming back to, yeah sorry so do you think that had reason to do with you guys moving from toulouse to like the countryside i think so yes i it's hard to tell because i was too young yeah um to understand the whole Me. politics but i mean Partially, also, I think it was in the. It, I think it was the plan to begin with that my parents wanted to build a house, mm. um, and you know, typical family thing. So, get your own house, a little bit outside. Get married, of, have kids. Uh, yeah, a little bit outside of the city. Yeah. Um, sort of have a peaceful life. So my dad's a teacher. My mum nice. uh, used to work in a laboratory. So right. I think. I think it did play a big role because at the time my dad used to work very far from where we were so luckily he was not impacted by the explosion as well my whole family was very lucky 
yeah um, because most people obviously all windows exploded so most people have glass in their face and everything that was pretty bad oh right um, but yeah that that was my earliest memory and then we moved outside of Toulouse but as I said we didn't go we didn't live there for that long because um, we then moved to Iranian Island uh, yeah. so that's an island next to Mauritius so completely the other, other side of the planet yeah and I lived there for close to 10 years right and is that did you have family in Mauritius like was so that it's, it's not Mauritius oh it's, it's just, next to uh, it okay sorry my bad I, yeah I didn't uh, that's okay so this it's, is moving to from so from Toulouse you've moved to this sort of like countryside town I imagine yeah. Or less than uh, it's a village it's not even a town like, it's, oh, like it's like less than 3,000 right. people in the south of France do you know what it is because every time I think of like the south of France like so th- this might just be me or just something that I've grown up with from listening to people but I've always thought south of France was very like I don't know millionaires on like yachts and uh, <laughs> like big houses and they've all got and I think the kids go to private school and like south of France is, fr- France has always been sort of um, described that way to me. I've never thought of it as um, that there was a country or like a village like sort of attached to it. So this is why I was like, oh, OK, cool. Let me find out what the, the so this is two moves we're talking about, not just the one I'm imagining. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's, it's super interesting what you're saying, because it's it's funny to see how it's seen from people that are not from France because yeah. I, th- I guess a lot of people know Cannes and Nice and yes. you know, Marseille and these are the what in France we say uh, uh, they're like are they like bou- <laughs> okay is that like bou- is that French for bougie um a little uh, yeah yeah sort or like, of okay, but... not bougie like maybe middle class I don't know is that like the right term no, it's not no. to say middle class, it's more to express um, tapaloi, if you translate it literally, it means to hit the eye. And it's, you know, when there's right. these big shiny things and yeah. it, it, it hits your eyes. Um, right. So it's quite like, have you seen me kind of thing. Um, uh, hey, don't I would... get me wrong, I love shiny things. <laughs> no, no, I get you. I was looking at it more as uh, when you said hit the eye, I thought of it more as like, oh, the target that everyone wants to hit. But what you're actually saying, it's more of, it's something that maybe the eye can't avoid like you see it and exactly. you're like, oh look this is like a moth to a flame and you're like oh yeah cool i need to go to this light and and or whatever like do you know what i mean so everyone is kind of like is their goal like to end or in france is their goal to end up like having a house in i don't know marseille or like niche or some no. beautiful place no not really no. i mean i would say that most of france is quite you know there's it's, most of the south of france at least it's a lot of countryside these mm. places are quite separate and mm. also where i grew up is quite far away from it geographically because right. toulouse is closer to spain and all of these places so nice and Cannes, for example are closer to italy so yep. when completely different sides of france I don't. I can't speak for the people that live over there. I've been there, and it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's it's one of the most pretty places that I've ever been. But yeah. in the rest of France, it's not. No one says, "Oh my God, I have to live in Cannes or Nice," because it's right. quite. 
seasonal during the summer and the and spring it's amazing and you know oh, there's the can festival there's all of that but yeah. the rest of the year i mean it, it's kind of itself for example it's quite quiet okay you know what right this is going to sound so ignorant of me but it's only just now that you just mentioned that the Cannes Film Festival was there. I've always thought of like the Cannes Film. I don't now. I don't know why. I always <laughs> think that the Cannes Film Festival was in Italy. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> I, I mean, close. Yeah, but it's only. Hello. It's not Italy, but I don't know why. I always sort of. Um, related it to Italian cinema, even though that doesn't make any sense. So for anyone listening, that's just my ignorance. Uh, it's like a funny that. But yeah, so sorry. Now, in fact, it's a great segue because now that we're on Cannes Film Festival, um, we're going to talk about your uh, your acting career or your uh, actress career, acting career. Yeah. Yeah. All right, your acting career. Um, what I'll do is I'm going to play a couple of um, what's it called. I'm going to play a couple of songs and then we'll return and we'll discuss your acting career. Okay. Sounds good. All right, cool. One sec. Okay, so we're back. For those of you who are locked in, it's Everyday People with Sadiq Bello, and I'm here with Daphne Hedia Davis, who was just talking to me about growing up in France, and um, we didn't get too tough into um, her moving over to London, but we're about to get into that now and talk about her acting career. And so, Daphne, do you want to say hi to the people? Hi again. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm still here, um, and yeah. Cool. Nice to know. Okay, so, um, before we get into your acting career, did you? So you mentioned about coming from France. Um, we left off and said coming from France and moving over to the UK, right? Mm, yes. Right. But before moving over to the UK in 2021, you had frequently been. Uh, sort of visiting, moving over, or like coming for holiday? Yeah, so I'm half French, half British. Right. Um, so my dad is from London, meaning that his entire family lives in London. Well, yes, my, mostly. <laughs> Most of them live in London. Um, so ever since I was born, we have been used to going to visit them in London so I used to when I lived in France I would go approximately once a year um, just to visit say hi sometimes twice a year you know in the summer or Christmas and then when we moved to Reunion Island um, because that is much much further away so that's a 12 hour flight wait you said from... Reunion Island yeah La Reunion Oh, Lorraine. Sorry, you're oh, it's the French accent. So I, was, I thought you meant Iranian as in like... No, and that's it. Like, which is why in England I always say the island because each time I say Iranian, everyone's like, oh my God, you're Iranian. I'm like, no, not at all. <laughs> it's 
reunion 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 like a reunion oh like a reunion oh reunion okay reunion yeah, like i just when struggle you to say you it haven't seen someone in a while and say oh look we're gonna reunite reunion <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much in <laughs> french it's called la reunion okay that also reunion. means cool. the meeting right um and it's it's a French department, but it's overseas. Right. So it's between Madagascar and Mauritius, pretty much. Oh, okay. That makes sense now. Cool. But you can imagine that's very far away. Yeah, yeah. So we would go back to London maybe once every two years. Right. Two three years. Wait, Madagascar is like near... Like, isn't that like near the bottom of Africa? Or like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's South Africa, yeah. That's quite a distance. Yeah, which is why it's like <laughs> a twelve-hour flight. You know, that's a bit long. right. So you would frequently do this twelve-hour flight growing up. I imagine from um, from the UK to the Le- yes. Union, right? Le- yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna butcher it. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> the way that you say. It. You say it with like this really cool French accent, right? But you know what? A A for effort. A for effort. A lot of right. people don't try. So Le- I appreciate it. Yeah. Reunion, La Reunion. Right, so you go from the UK to La Reunion growing up, 12-hour flight. You have family in um, both places? No, so only my parents, my brother and I moved to La Reunion. Okay. We don't have any family there. So my mum was originally from there. So she was born there, but she was adopted in France. Okay. So her family is in the south of France. And my dad's family is in London. So we were the only ones there. Right. Yes. That makes sense. Okay. So does that, so I'm assuming that means you're, oh, I mean, I kind of know this already, but it's mainly for the listeners um, listening. You're of mixed heritage. So if uh, your mum's from Madagascar, I'm assuming she's black, African. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not part of Madagascar. It's it's very, it's, it's very hard because it's, it's lost in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Um, so each time I say what it's close to, to sort of help people visualize on the globe. Yeah. Um, but it's not from any of these places. It's, it's just okay. a random island. <laughs> yeah, just like in the middle of, of, of somewhere. Because I was going to look at it as, so when you mentioned, oh yeah, near, like on the other side of Madagascar or like, you know, in the middle of the Indian Ocean, I'm assuming it's part of the African continent, but maybe owned by the French that's kind of how I looked at it when you just mentioned it being um, in the Indian Ocean. Is that a correct description? Or um, it's it's not part of the African continent. Okay. Um, because it's it, so you know how like it was a volcano that erupted from sea and it just like just became an island over time. Um, okay. So it's independent because it's part of france it's it's actually it belongs to france like we have the french school system the same president yeah um it's it's just another department that's completely on the other side of the planet okay um i'm actually kind of i'm looking at a map now as we speak and yeah i can kind of see where it's at yeah it's okay so it's not yeah it's near madagascar but it's it's literally a tiny island yeah yeah, and when I say near, it's, it's very, 
Uh, it's very proximate because it's yeah. not that close to it. You can't swim to it. <laughs> It'll take a couple of hours on the plane. Okay. Maybe I'm not quite sure. I've not been to Madagascar, but I'm guessing cool. three hours. But yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, sorry. Yeah. So sorry. I interrupted. Yeah. So carry on. So when you were growing up, you would frequently fly from this place, um, uh, back and forth to the UK. But yes, family so, moved there. Yeah. So it, it was. It's quite interesting because then that means that when we lived in France, we had our French family around us and we only had to travel to London to see the rest of the family. But now that meant that we had to sort of split every single holiday in two, partially to go to France and then partially to go to the UK so we could see everyone and make sure everybody's happy. Right. Um, and it was very nice of course to see everyone i don't mean it in a in a bad way at all. <laughs> um it's just a like, oh, of organization <laughs> we have to like we didn't... <laughs> it's like oh no not again <laughs> um, but that's how we would do it generally we tend to go during the summer mm-hmm. um just because it's easier that way and most people have longer holidays during the summer yeah and we would and that's the winter on the island because the summer and winter are inverted right oh, so yeah. during the southern hemisphere yeah yeah so during our winter we go to european summer and go there so i used yeah i'm quite used to london but it's it's different living here because you know when you're here as a tourist although yeah you're also with family it's completely different you don't need to know all you know what's the best network provider and all the slang words because you only speak with people from your family so you all speak the same way yeah you see it from the eyes of like it's kind of like anywhere that you go on holiday that's how i always find that when i go on holiday to places i feel like i don't really know the country in the way that i would know if i was living there because when you're visiting you only you only see like the highlights or like the few spots Whereas when you like maybe when you come, like maybe when you were coming with your family, for instance, you would spend time in I don't know like Marble Arch, Knightsbridge, Oxford Circus, or whatever. Um, whereas living here now, you kind of get the depth of, you know, like maybe somewhere like uh, White City or like um, I don't know Clerkenwell or Brixton or Camden, and like you see more of London, and you also understand the culture probably a bit better than when you were visiting as a child. Yeah, absolutely. And it's quite interesting to see that my dad tried to um, give us as much, as many cultural references as he could, Mm -hmm. um, because he grew up in London as well. Yeah. And, you know, tried to teach us some of the slang that he knows. Yeah. But all of this has changed so much because last time he lived in London was something like 30 years ago. Right. And so he's still on like, British he that did he does he speak I'm assuming he speaks French he does with a British accent <laughs> <laughs> okay and I'm assuming he he would have learned that or picked it up either from your mum or just from like living in France before meeting your mum or what whatnot so he's like is there will be words do you think that there's French words that for instance you and your brother and your mum might understand that your dad may not necessarily understand or does he speak it fluently just with a British accent he speaks it fluently um it's yeah just with a british accent pretty much the only the only one word that i still get him to trip up trip up on yeah is meringue meringue because okay. he can he can say it but do you think it's un meringue or une meringue un, see i'd say un meringue 
You're correct. <laughs> June Morang, yeah. June Morang. But he goes, but for oh, some reason, Raul, can that's I the Morang one in? word. <laughs> yeah. After 30 years, he cannot remember if it's out or But mm. he's actually probably better at French than I am. Because I think, partially because he's a teacher as well. Yeah, um, lived there, like, before you were born. So Yeah, and he moved to France to be with my mum. When he moved, he could not speak French. Because, fun fact, he learned French in school, but had, then he dropped out and decided to learn German. Because he right. thought, I will never need French in my entire life. Yeah, <laughs> he got married to someone who spoke French, yeah, and had children. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the word? So, did they... Um, Okay, so he met, I'm assuming they, they met in France. It wasn't that, or did they meet in the UK and then he, they moved to France and then you ended up being born in France? Do you? Yeah, so they met in, in London. Oh, okay. Um, because my mum always loved the English language. So okay. she speaks English relatively well. Mm. And so she did an exchange program. So when she was in London, her pen pal had a brother, and that is not my dad. Oh, right. But, so her brother invited his best friend over for dinner, and his best friend was my dad. Ah, okay. And so that's how they met, so quite young. My... And then they corresponded every day uh, yeah. by, by letter. Yeah. Um, for, I think, a year, if I remember correctly. My dad. And then she had to do her exams because she was in uni yeah and she said if i fail my exams i will move to london if i um pass them awesome. you will come to france and she she did pass that's so in way to me that is a, he, like everything that you were telling me in this conversation is really fascinating like to you you say it like you know it's normal like oh yeah cool so like i was a child and like you know there was like an explosion of a movie <laughs> But it's all everything you are saying. I don't think I've ever spoken to anybody else who has ever told me their life story in this way. Um, but yeah, thanks for like you know actually having the time to do this by the way and actually voicing and saying all these things because it's like it's some of it are like are pretty intimate questions. But I like this is the whole point of like the podcast and the show is to I like to ask people things to find out information that they wouldn't necessarily say as well as you know they because i'm trying to understand where your creative background came from and um you know what got you into acting and that stuff but to understand that i need to know you as a person so um thanks for <laughs> answering these questions um, honestly it's it's an absolute pleasure and i actually yeah. mean this uh, like yeah. when you when you gave me the idea when you were like hey i would love you to be on my uh, podcast i automatically said yes because <laughs> it's so fun yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. So thank you very much. No, nah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, uh, what's called? All right. So yeah. So they move over. They go to France, and then, uh, long story short, you and your brother were born, and um, you, if I get this right, you, uh, you were in Toulouse, moved to the countryside. From the countryside, traveling back and forth between um the UK and Reunion, and and then you settled well now you personally have settled in london for i guess the unforeseeable future however long you stay here is that does that kind of bring us up to date yeah so basically we were in the south of france moved to a countryside moved to the island back and forth with the uk i moved back to the south of france but a different area to right. study 
But in the meantime, while I was on the island, I also lived in Germany for a bit. But that's not that important because it wasn't that long. But right. anyway, um, and yeah, and then I moved to London. So here I am. Here you are. Okay, so we're now gonna we're gonna play some music, um, and then we're gonna get into your life in London. Amazing. Yeah. See you later. See you. All right, guys, uh, gonna play some music for you now, and then we'll be back shortly with Daphne. Okay, so um, I hope you guys enjoyed that, that you're listening, just playing some tunes to wake you up in the morning. Um, if you're just tuning in and catching up, I am speaking to Daphne Hillier Davis, and we are talking about her life of growing up in France and moving from back and forth between the UK and uh, La Reunion. <laughs> I don't know how to correct it. La Reunion, and then from La Reunion, she's, uh, she went over to... Um, Germany to study for a little bit and then went back to the south of um, France but to a different part to study for a little bit and then now she's back in London uh, where I met her and asked her to come into my podcast Um, because for those of you who don't know we know each other because we work together Um, and uh, and so here she is on uh, Everyday People which used to be called Breakfast with Sidney Bellow but it's also now available on Voices Radio. Um, you can also listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pocket Casts, and basically everywhere that podcasts stream. But it's available on Voices Radio um, Thursday, the first Thursday of every single month. And Daphne is my second guest. So Daphne, Hilia Davis, would you like to say hello to the audience once again? Hi everyone, if you have not listened to the first part of the podcast, I would recommend doing so and hear about some crazy story from France. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so now let's get into the artist side of you, the creative side. What into So in the trajectory of your life, do you remember the first moment where you decided, I'm going to be an actress? Was there a defining moment that made you want to pursue that career? So the answer to that question is yes and no. Um, Yes, I remember one moment where I made the executive decision that that's what I'm going to do. But Mm. it was only a realisation that it made sense for all this time. Basically, I remember exactly where I was. I was in school, very boring. Um, (laughs) I was 12 years old and I was a little bit of a loner at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my best friend, still my best friend. She's the best, shout out. And <laughs> our best friend, TT. <laughs> yeah, and for a long time I said that I was going to be a writer and then I said I was going to be a teacher. And then suddenly, I can't remember what my train of thought was exactly. Mm. But I just, I thought, oh, you know, I love like filming and all of that. And then I was like, well, that makes total sense. I should be an actress because ever since i could speak i've always done it unconsciously so apparently and that's my parent telling me the story i can't even remember that when i was in nursery um i had a lot of plush toys so when i would come back from nursery i'd put all of my plush toys in specific places in my room and i would reenact everything that happened that day so i would be the teacher and my parents said it was quite fun because they could know who has been punished all of that anyway <laughs> right um and i would just do it on my own and then my grandparents had a camera an old 
camera and you can see footage somewhere probably on a hard drive of myself and my brother just filming ourselves and i would make little you know um little videos and i'd pretend to be a journalist and i would always always do that and when i was in school so in secondary school every as as i as i mentioned i was a bit of a loner uh, a little bit of a nerd if you will and after school i would do one of two things number one i would either go to the public library and spend as much time as i could there until they closed just to read and number two if i was not in the public library i would get my dad's ipad and i would film little music videos with um i think it was called movie star at the time right and i would just do Wait, this was all like the time. was movie star like a program yeah it was an application where you could put any music that was in your library right. and or i think they even had their own library and yeah. you could put effects you could do slow mo you could you know add so many things and to me that was a revelation so the tiktok for tiktok <laughs> yeah pretty <laughs> much back in the day yeah so i would spend my entire free time doing this and then i would also force my friends to be in my little uh, videos i would make adverts and okay. then <laughs> yeah i would write scripts of ideas that i had and then it became a little bit more you know concrete in um what i call high school but i can't remember the english term yeah um like well like middle school secondary school i imagine uh, when you're from 15 to 18 oh yeah we'll just we could we just call that like sixth form i guess yeah oh okay yeah. or like some like there'll be college but not like american college like americans call university college whereas we call college college <laughs> and um sixth form is if you don't go to college so between that yeah like 15 to 18 before you go to uni yeah that's like sixth form yeah i find the system here so confusing also college is the term that french people use to say secondary school <laughs> yeah that's that's not it's so very confusing to me especially when you grow up watching american films and yeah. then your dad's british but you live in france yeah <laughs> I don't know. You're you're a cocktail of mixes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Anyway, in sixth form, um, I each time we had a project to do because I studied. I wanted to study cinema, um, but we didn't have that option in school, so I studied literature. Okay. So German cool. literature. Oh, cool. That was my speciality you know, for A levels. Yeah. Um, so it's like German literature and advanced German, and then you have to do French literature and yeah. history and all of that. Basically, no sciences. Yeah. Um, aren't, the, aren't, the German, <laughs> aren't the Germans really good at like making films? I feel like I don't know why I have that in my. Weirdly head. enough, I'm not super versed in in the the German cinematography. Like, From what I know, it's yeah. not that big. Okay, yeah, just because when you said German literature, I I automatically thought of like black and white movies from like the fifties or whatever, and I seem I don't know why I seem to think like like Germans were like really good at that, or there's some relationship between France and Germany based on films. I don't know. It's good to be honest. It could be just I mean, my... maybe not in the fifties. But... Not in the fifties. Yeah, not then. There was like some cold stuff happening back then. <laughs> 
I mean, they didn't really like each other, but um, but yeah, I seem to feel like when you just said German literature, um, they they either there's like really good, I don't know, like German folk tales or like stories or something like that, or maybe it's just my mind making up connecting well, dots. In terms of stories, yes, I would say the literature side of things in Germany yeah. is incredible, right? Um, cinematographically, so I did not study that in school yeah we, we really stuck to books and um painting yeah but in uni so when i studied cinematography in university mm. we mainly studied french cinematography because that's where cinema started yeah um so i'm not the best person to ask about the german cinematography that's fine but yeah. I don't. I never really heard that much about it for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe no. I'm just not super cultured. Who knows? No. I mean, do you know what? It could be me. I could just be because you know, a, me- a minute ago you were talking about the reunion island, and I said Iran. So <laughs> it could be me that doesn't know stuff, and I'm actually just confused on the things that you're aware of. Um, but yeah, to take you off course, you were saying um, you yeah, so you studied uh, German literature. Yes, and so because it was quite an artsy um, course in general, yeah, it means that we had a lot of projects to do and we we're quite free of how we could um, do it. Yeah. So a lot of the time I would make videos and then we had the um, sort of film festival for the school, which was really fun. Yeah. And uh, same, I would sort of make videos and I made a promotional video from the dance club because I was also part of the dance club. So right. everything that I could do in the <laughs> video form, I would do it. Um, yeah, you'd put it into, um, yeah, into like a video, I guess, and force your friends to be in it. <laughs> exactly. I would just force everyone right. to be Shout in it. Shout out those friends, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for putting up with me all this time. Cool. But, um, and it, it's you- quite... Sorry, yeah. if you don't mind me asking, were you you were writing these um, like scripts or I guess or plots or whatnot? Like you were basically directing the videos, I imagine that you were shooting, or were you reenacting stuff you'd saw already? It's, yes, so I would write everything. Um, okay. I I'm a big fan of you know creativity in general, mm-hmm. and I used to write books, but oh, sick. I realize now that I wrote them because I could see the film in my head. You know, yeah. I would, so I didn't really write great books, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <But> you're back. <laughs> I'm still doing something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I didn't really have much of a choice because um, no one else wanted to take part, which is totally fair. So yeah. I would generally write the script, film it, edit it, be in it. Um, I would do everything on my own but it's quite interesting that at the time so when I started saying that I wanted to be an actress Mm. there's a big stereotype and I don't know if it's a French thing or if it's just where I was yeah but it it just came people had some strange reactions to that statement you know anyone would say hey I want to be a teacher in a few years and everybody's like oh great for you I want to be a doctor that's amazing yeah. good at math um, but when I would say I want to be an actress people are like oh you just want to be famous I'm like no that yeah. is not that's think... not the point yeah they don't but 
do you know what I always say this to creatives because um, my dad told me this when he said um, like for, for instance like I have the mind of the of an artist and most creatives do as you would yourself you have the mind of an artist and so telling the other people who are around you might have the brain or the mind of like a scientist or a mathematician mm. and so they can't understand when you say oh you want to be an artist like to them it doesn't make sense because in the words of in the world of a mathematician or a scientist there always kind of has to be um an end result so like if a scientist is running an experiment the the point of that experiment is to find a solution or an answer to mm. a problem and the same with maths when you do one plus one you're looking for a solution to find two whereas when you say you want to be an actress or you want to be a creative sometimes just doing the like they couldn't they can't understand that you write in a script or write in a movie or shoot in a movie even if no one um sees it or pays you a million pounds or a million dollars or a million euros for it the the joy actually comes from creating the movie so a part of them probably feels like when you say oh i want to be an actress they're like well if you're not trying to be a millionaire why are you doing it maybe that's how they're yeah that you know what that is such a good way of putting it because all these years i was like why why does everybody say to us like the end goal is like it's not fame (laughs) that's not why we do art it's never to be famous if not we would not do it because it's so yeah it's so unlikely that that would happen (laughs) exactly and not even just so unlikely but like it takes a long time like i could you could have said oh i'm gonna start acting at 12 and you might not be a millionaire till 85 and so if your goal was to be a millionaire then you would have you would spend like 60 something years miserable because you haven't reached the solution of what you want um mm. and so yeah the whole point and for me anyway as well i get like even as a dj or like as, as a musician the point of creating the art is like is the create like the creating the creativity part of it for me anyway is the release it's like oh look i just made something dope and that's 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 it if it ends up you know making me a lot of money then yeah cool that's a bonus and i'm not going to turn it down but exactly. the 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 thing that you actually enjoy is writing like you were saying you just even as a child when you were using um movie star and you know telling your friends just acting this video like you just wanted to act and you just wanted to write and shoot a music and shoot uh, a movie initially i'm thinking um yeah i mean i i really enjoyed the the process of music videos because it meant that i did not have to write any dialogue yeah so i think when i was starting it because it's something that's so hard to do right with music videos obviously sometimes some of them have dialogue in them but you Mm. can generally base everything on what the music is telling you and sort of put that into images so when you're starting off i think that was a really good way for me to get used to the visual concepts that I had in mind Um, but yes I wrote I cannot tell you the amount of um, scripts that I have written and that have never (laughs) been made every single month I'd probably come up with something new and tell my friends oh so this is what's going to happen you're going to play this this is where we're going to film it and then it would just obviously never happen but that's also part of the creative process and it's it's fun looking back on it because I have, I still have almost all of those scripts. Um, yeah. And it's fun looking at them and thinking, wow, this is really bad. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see that I've grown a lot and I still have a lot of improvement to, to make. Yeah. But 
it's a it's all of a it's all a journey and it's it's yeah. so great that's something i love about art is that you get to see where you started and where you are now yeah no that's really cool all right so what i'm going to do is um i'm going to play a little bit of uh music now and then um i'll do some mixing just for the crowd and then we'll get into the last segment um about i'd like to actually get into what your um i know we just said like oh we enjoyed the journey and the creative process but i wanted to get into um if there is any sort of end goal or when you would feel as though like is there something that you actually want to make that you're working towards making maybe like a full-length feature film or like a, a West End show or something like that or any projects that you may have coming up that you want us to look forward to um and so we'll get into that in the next segment is that cool I'll just play some music now yeah perfect wicked all right guys I'll do some DJing for you um I hope you've been enjoying everything you're hearing so far and we'll be back shortly Okay, okay, okay. Welcome to the last segment of um, Everyday People with myself, Sadiq Bello. I'm inter- uh, interviewing my guest today, Daphne Hillier, who I've really enjoyed this conversation with, by the way. <laughs> Daphne. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Same. Yeah, no, this is really amazing. For those of you who don't know, like, I know, um, I actually, I've known Daphne now for uh, quite a while, probably about two, maybe three years, something like that. Close actually. to three years, yeah. Close to three years. Um, and I think this is probably one of the most in-depth conversations we've actually had. So this is part of the reason why I actually asked you to come on um, so that I can, because I like having these conversations with people because I think it, I get to know a deeper or better version of them as opposed to the everyday um, sort of exterior that you see on a day-to-day basis. Like you, with all the like, work and cost of living and and like just time yeah (laughs) you never actually get the time to sit down and talk to people anymore and even if you're in like a social setting where you're in a party or something out it's you don't get the time to sit down unless it's the after party and it's 4am and everyone's gone home (laughs) and then then, you go into real deep yeah then you go deep um so yeah this is what we're talking about um now of all the things that you have mentioned um in regards to you growing up in uh, the france moving to the uk going back and forth to all these countries um and then um deciding to become an artist or like you know write uh scripts for to be an actress and stuff where is the um do you have like any end goal is there a particular thing that you're reaching for um i don't know before uh, you retire or your life comes to an end or anything like that like what would you want to be remembered for as a human being that is such a tough question I really enough I try not to ask myself that too much okay. because I feel like I am someone who puts a lot of goals and set deadlines for myself um and the problem is that obviously life happens and yeah. things might not go the way that you intend them to go to and then as a perfectionist that frustrates me <laughs> because yeah. i've always had those very set goals you know i'm going to study cinematography for this amount of years and then i'm going to go to london i'm going to live in west london and i'm going to do everything on my own i'm going to study cinema, um, acting over there and extra etc etc so i have those ideas and I always try to do everything in my power to meet them but recently I realized that it's not sometimes the healthiest thing you can do mm-hmm. because then that means that I tend to not live in the present moment 
and I yeah. get disappointed very easily with myself if I don't achieve what I said I would achieve in a certain amount of time. I hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there are so many things that I do want to achieve. I mean, I did say that I would publish a book by the time I would turn 18. I'm now 24, so <laughs> that's not <laughs> happening. Yeah. But um, I so I also make my own short films okay. and there is a short film that is currently being rewritten by the scriptwriter. Yeah. And I'm hoping that I could turn this into a feature. Okay. <clears throat> but it requires a lot of uh, I mean it's a very lengthy process, right? The pre-production. Um, yeah. The state of things. And I yeah I don't know if it will ever become a feature film because I might by that time I might grow out of it and think yeah yeah, and think that I can do better things but in terms of acting I mean I if they are if they do other Hunger Games films I would (laughs) absolutely love to play the main character or even a character in a Hunger Games film I do not know why, but yeah. this these books impacted me when I was a teenager because I read the books. Yeah. Um, I think a month. I read all of the books a month before the films came out. Oh, okay. And so I discovered the books right before the films, which is perfect. And I was quite happy about how they made them into films because a lot of the time when you read books, because I, I used to read a lot, a lot of the times the films just don't, are not very accurate and they don't represent the books very well I feel like but I was very pleased with Hunger Games so I don't know and there's something about Jennifer Lawrence in that role as Captain Severdeen that really really moved me and I thought that's what I want to do that's exactly what I want to do do you see yourself as like uh, like the character that Jennifer Lawrence plays in your own life in real life are you like do you resonate with that is that the pers- the kind of person that you are is that who Daphne is in the real no, world no I wouldn't say so Katniss Everdeen is very you know she she's she's quite feisty um like she she's she reacts in like she's a little bit of a of a rebel I would say you know right. she she even though she doesn't mean to most of the time when she's annoyed she'll react quite impulsively and and yeah. be quite arrogant in a way that I absolutely love. But I would say that I'm I'm not I'm not like this. I'm way too scared of consequences. <laughs> I'm a little bit more tame. So the reason why I ask this, right? I don't like is because so I feel like people always see themselves so like there's the way that you see yourself and then I think there's the way that other people in the world might see you that you may not have an idea of until people tell you. Yeah. But like so now the things that you've mentioned about um Jennifer Lawrence's character in Hunger Games and her being, you know, very feisty and fiery and like a bit of a rebel. So you have to be very um brave to be that kind of person. And you now saying that you uh you don't feel like you were that person or you're not that kind of person, for me, right, that's a little bit of um what's the word? Is it an oxymoron or something? Yeah, like when mm. Stone J um don't like or, or like our views down the line but i'll tell you the reason why because of everything that you've said to me in the past hour of of how you've moved like first of all let's get into the fact that you moved from uh france to the uk and you've basically 
built a life here of your own in the past few years that you've been here. You did it at a time that was very uncertain, which was lockdown. Um, and while everybody around you, um, you know, friends and family members were maybe pursuing a career in, uh, I don't know, being a teacher, being a doctor, being something that was like um, sustain- sustainable or could prove to be uh, stable in the future, you decided that you wanted to pursue your career um, your sorry, your creative aspects and become an actress. So see, I look at all of those things as being brave or like being rebellious, even though you wouldn't. Like, is that has anyone yeah. ever said that, that? You see what I mean? It's yeah. It's such. It, it's very fascinating to hear that because even when I say, oh yeah, you know, uh, just moved here on my own, and then um, I, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm planning on moving to Canada and. Oh. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I can't I clearly can't stay in one place for too long. Um <laughs> But everyone's like, Oh, that's great. Do you know anyone in Canada? I'm like, No, I just I just feel like moving there and they're like, Oh, have you been there? Uh, to Toronto yeah. and I'm like, No, I just well, yeah, just... I don't know, I just feel like it. Yeah. Um, and everybody always says the same word since I've been in the UK. Everybody says, Wow, that's very brave. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I never saw this as a brave thing to me. It's just, oh, I feel like doing it. I'm just going to do it. It's a little bit reckless. I'll get a grudge that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I feel like that's why you resonate um, with her. Because even though you might not see yourself as this brave, rebellious kind of character, other people around you might because you are doing things that we would only talk about or think about doing. Like, I'm pretty sure even if you spoke to... Um, I don't know, Beyonce. I don't think Beyonce wakes up in the morning and sees herself as like, oh my God, I am Beyonce. She probably sees herself as a normal human being, but everybody around her sees her as Beyonce. And so that could be the same thing for you. Although you might see yourself as, oh yeah, no, I'm just like this chill girl that's like just Daphne. But to the rest of us, or at least to me, after this conversation, I'm like, no, you are actually, maybe you are, (laughs) maybe there is a bit of Jennifer Lawrence in you and that's why (laughs) would like to play that character because somewhere in your subconscious you are that person in your life whether you realize it or not but i think it's a very brave thing to do to move like to a different country kind of on your own build your own life and then do the same thing again like most people would do it once maybe you've done it uh you've done it well you did it when you were growing up and then you've done it once now and you're planning to do it again um so i think you should give yourself some credit like it's quite a brave um, rebellious thing to do. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna describe myself as Daphne the Rebel from now. <laughs> <laughs> AKA uh, has been compared to Beyonce and Jennifer Lawrence on Sadiq's podcast. So, yeah, that's my new bio, guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. But yeah, I think in acting, it's quite interesting when I, when there's a role that I want to do. Um, it's a lot about the challenge of it as well, right? Because sometimes it, it's really fun when you do identify to a person, but it's, I, I would say that from time to time, it's even more fun when you do not identify to the person. Like if you play a psychopath, right? Yeah. I hope that I do not come across as a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so fun because you get to experiment new things and you have to get into that character's sort of mindset and body and and you have to find ways to link it to things that you can relate to emotionally most of the time but it's it's so interesting it's such a great challenge that 
I don't know. Yeah, just yeah, it's yeah. amazing. I love it. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I mean, I think it's safe to say we found what it is that makes you want to be an actress. Like you like, but it's interesting for you to portray, um, you know, other people like to pick up the mannerisms or be in their mindset and explore this story, and then you be the person to play that out, you know, and be somebody else. So, well, uh, I mean, if I would say one last thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's what I think is fascinating with acting is actually how you can make people feel a certain thing. So we, when we watch a film, we all know that it's full fiction, right? We know the the violin in the background is here to make you cry, and the suddenly it's raining out of nowhere, and we know that it's all fake. The wind is probably a fan, and everything, and yet we still watch it we still go to the cinema we still watch films we still enjoy it we laugh with the characters we cry with them we yeah. grieve certain characters and i think it's all a process it's it, every little piece comes into the puzzle but acting is part of that and if i'm able to make someone feel something although they know it's not real that's yeah. cherry on top that's it that's the goal <laughs> that's what we yeah. that's what we like all right and then now um as a final question just for bands which i like to ask all of my guests that come on if you could meet with or have dinner with any person dead or alive celebrity normal person biblical figure from any of the holy books the quran the torah whatnot who would you meet and what question would you ask them mm, i've heard this question before mm. and i never quite knew who I would pick right mm, I you know what the first thought that came into mind when you asked this question was my great granddad Roy okay um, I never got to meet him he right. passed away when my brother was less than one years old right a uh, one year old sorry um, and yeah he seems like a interesting man from what I've heard so maybe I would just ask him about his life like you just did with me nice that's cool um yeah i mean that was very interesting i've enjoyed this conversation we've um we've run out of time now because <laughs> it's coming <laughs> hour. Oh, but uh, i'm glad that we got to do this because then uh i found out a bit more or well, a lot more about you than i thought i knew i sort of knew the basics of like you know you being french and or like half French and half uh, British and so forth and your mum and like I knew bits and bobs of you but I feel like I got to dive a little bit deeper into who Daphne, Daphne Hilly Davis is as a person um, and so thanks for giving me your time and thank you so much for having me I really really enjoyed this so anytime excellent alright guys as I mentioned it's Sadiq Bello and this was Everyday People with Daphne Hilly Davis signing out bye guys bye bye Voices Radio Voices Radio Voices Radio Voices Voices Radio Radio Radio